Podcast Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, we're going to talk about the trading game. Hey, Ron. Well, we are back here on the Soul of Enterprise, and I'm excited to talk about this topic. This is something that you and I have done for, what, about three or four years now? We've been playing this little game. Yes, I love it. <laughs> with some of our audiences. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun. It gets people going. We usually kind of open with it when we're doing a, a longer program. You really can't do this unless you're doing it specifically just to do this, because it takes, what, 45 minutes to an hour to do it properly with an audience. Yeah, it does. I, I, I remember doing it for an audience of about 100, and it, it, it did. It took well over an hour. Yeah, yeah, some good stuff. So let's, let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, let's, um, first off, um, one of the presentations I did, it was for a group of uh, CFOs for Fortune, basically Fortune 500 companies, and the, the organization titled the presentation, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? <laughs> because <laughs> which probably we should have titled the show ed but uh <laughs> wasn't this game designed for the basically a f- roughly fifth grade audience yeah actually the origin of the game for me where i came up with it is i was reading a book and this is probably going back to 2011 12 somewhere around there because it's actually one of the first books that i read on kindle because I know that because I don't have a hard copy of it, which is, you know, the, 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 the shift. And the, the book is called Money, Greed, and God, Why Capitalism is the Solution, Not the Problem by Jay Richard. And in this book, I think it's page 60, he talks about in the sixth grade, he played a game with his class that his teacher had set up. And it was on one of those days where they couldn't go out for recess because it was snow, snow or something or rain. And the teacher had gotten together a whole bunch of little trinkets from the five and dime store, like gum and paddle boards and, you know, those stupid games where you have to put the numbers one through 15 in place and you've only got 16 slots. Right. Um, Silly putty, you know, trading cards, you know, just kind of crap like that. Little car, uh, little cars, tanks, soldiers and and dolls, too. So they mixed it up that way. Mixed it up. Right. For both male and female. And. What the teacher then did was she gave out gave a randomly just put one of these toys on each kid's desk and then asked everyone to rate how much they thought that 
they, they liked it or not on a scale of one to ten. Right. Right. And you know, people some so you know the, the boy who got the Barbie doll was not intrigued by the Barbie doll. Not all that surprising. And the the little girl who got the baseball cards may have not been turned on by the baseball cards. And so the scores were relatively low. But then she did something that was pretty interesting. She asked everyone to if they wanted to trade, but they could only trade within like their row in the classroom, right, or their table or whatever. The, it yeah, was. their yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. and. So the people at the table made a trade, and then she asked them to rate it again on a scale of 1 to 10, and they added up the scores for everyone, and guess what? The scores went up, right? The total value went up. And it goes and up then, pretty dramatically. Yeah. No, went up, went up fairly significantly. I don't think he, he states a percentage here. And then one last time, he said that she, the, the teacher said, okay, you're allowed to go, and you're allowed to trade with anyone in the room. And of course, this you know was just just absolute commotion, right? Chaos, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just complete chaos. Uh, <laughs> That's true for adults too, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then they were so they're allowed to trade with anyone in the room. And then finally, about two minutes later, they sit down, and now they have to then say what was the score of again on a scale of one to ten that they rated the thing that they had. And lo and behold, again, the scores go up, and. So this is the this is the 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 story that Jay Richards tells in his book, and I thought you know we could probably do this with adults. So what I did was that I now we couldn't afford the 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 notion of getting little trinkets for everyone because first of all like that low value stuff I don't think would matter. Although I suppose we could try it, and I thought well we you know really can't afford to to give stuff to everyone who's coming to a presentation, so we've got to figure out a way to simulate this. Right, and not to mention carrying all the stuff around, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so what I did was is I went to the Target website. And I figured out a way to just show me products at Target that had the same retail price of $99.95, right? And then I cut and pasted the pictures of all of those things and a little basic description of what each thing was. Not, not sentences, just you know, really short title of whatever the, the, the picture was just to make it clear, a coffee maker or USB one gigabyte drive or whatever, right? Yep. And put them on the, these cards. And I think I created, I don't know, like maybe 50 or 60 cards, figuring that that would be probably the largest audience that I would get a chance to to do this with. And we did play the game exactly as Jay Richards lines it out. Lines it out. I, and I randomly handed out the cards to everybody and, and asked everyone in, in, in their table or in their row, depending upon the configuration of the room, to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10. And then I would go around and I would add the tables up. Now, I had a little fun with it because, as you know, usually we're dealing with accountants, right? So, right. <laughs> so I asked, is there any accountants in the room? And everybody just kind of laughs because they're, they're all accountants. <laughs> um, so somebody, has, somebody at the table has to, has to conduct the audit, Right. right and add up all of the scores, uh, and then the, again they're allowed to trade at their table, asking everyone again, "Hey, add up the scores after that first trade," and then finally trade with everybody in the room, and then they get back to their tables and add up. And man, I I personally have done this. It may be close now to a hundred times, Ron. Yep, yep, I bet. And I, in fact, I have a spreadsheet which, with every single time that I've. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) It's insane. Yep. 
and and every on every single occasion the scores go up from round one to round two to round three. It's it's absolutely invariable. Yep. And and, and, and Ed, they the go sp- up from round one to round two. They go up really high, and then they go up in the next round, but by a smaller amount. Is that right? You know, I'd, I never really ran the numbers on that. I'd have to see. Sometimes it, it depends on the size of the audience. Like, I've played this with as few as nine people. Right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Even, right. even like, yeah, about nine so people. Three groups and it of works. three. And it works, <laughs> even with three groups of three. Right. And then I think I've played it with, well, I think, I think at a couple of, of uh, events that I did, it was close to 300 people. Mm hmm. So a crazy number of people, and that I mean that takes a little bit longer, obviously, because you got to go through the tables. And so, sometimes there are more, let's call it trading partners per table. So sometimes there are only maybe three people at one table and nine people at another table. So I think that impacts the the score of round one to round two as well, mm-hmm. right? The, the, you know, if you have more trading partners locally, it uh, it tends to go up quicker. If you have fewer trading partners locally, it tends to go up on the second round more. Would be my right. my guess, but mm. uh, I've not done I've not done the the analysis. Perhaps that's something I can look at look at doing just just to see. But it, it is incredible to me that it has never failed. Like just absolutely never. There's never I've never had an, an a round that has gone down. Now I have had individual tables decline. Right. right? Yes. So there'd be one group that went from, you know, say, you know, a score of 10 to do a score of eight or nine. They went, they went down for whatever reason. And usually I inquire and ask, is, why is that? And uh, usually what, what the person usually says is, well, I really didn't want to trade, but, you know, they really wanted this. So I said, OK, you can have this. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost this sense of altruism, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, it was since it was only a card anyway, right. Um, and, and I honestly do think, I mean, based on what you and I know from behavioral economics, that if we were to do this with real things, that it would be, it would be even more impactful. It would. It would. But I have, to, I have to admit that the card idea was great, how you went to Target and you got the laminated little cards and all that. It was really – and then, we, of course, you tell the audience that you, they're actually going to get these gifts. Right. At least that's the way I've right. done it. So they really feel that ownership you know, you're trying to give them that endowment effect, right? That I'm really going to get this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be and, mailed You know, to you me. get to feel like Oprah Winfrey, you know. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is the swag you get under your seat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I know there's a couple of like individual, um, sc- with individual scores, they can go up and they can go down, which is fascinating. And we can talk about those anomalies, but when you run this with a group, I I watched you do it with the you did it for the Libertarian Party, didn't you? I, I did. I, yeah. I was at one meeting where you did it. In fact, with William Cobb. Um, <laughs> oh those, right, right. That wasn't even Libertarians. That was that was a Tea Party group. Oh, that was a Tea Party. That's right. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who are on the inside, you know William Cobb is the father of our beloved value curve. But uh, when you do this. Um, it, what what are the first reactions of the audience before we get into the lessons? What what kind of things do, have you heard the audience say after they complete the round? Oh, after they complete the whole thing, the whole game. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. I, I, you know, you, usually, the, first of all, it's a it's a ton of fun, 
right? So so people are usually by the end laughing and 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 getting to, it's it's really good because the, they might even get a chance to know one another. If you're doing this in a room where there's not a lot of folks who have know one another, this is a great icebreaker too. Is. Right. Um, But usually the the reaction is a little bit surprise. There's a there's a bit of a surprise. There's like it's it's uh, really, huh? You know, I never really thought about it. That 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 seems to be the typical uh, reaction that I get. What about you? Yeah, that's what you especially because, um, you know, when I watched you do it the first time, you, you, of course, pull up the spreadsheet. Right. You're typing in numbers and for accountants that's a big deal so when they see the numbers you know it really it becomes like a big neon billboard and they really it it, it hits them it's like wow i I can see because what i love about this game is money's not involved right and that we're substituting your scale of one to ten of happiness with your gift Mm -hmm. Uh, you just substitute that with value Mm -hmm. right as we keep saying that value is not a number so much as a feeling Right. And so the reaction I get is people look at this and they go, wow, value is really up to the person is, mm-hmm. is how normally I hear it expressed. Right. Right. And I mean, that is always the first thing that when I ask the group to debrief, OK, what did you learn this way? I said, what did you learn? And invariably, it's either first or second. What someone will say is, is that you know, value is subjective. Value is what the customer says it is that some variation of that without question. Right. Well, Ed, when we come back from this break, I want to get into the, uh, there's basically eight lessons and then you've got some really interesting tweaks and variations to this game. But in the meantime, folks, we'd like to remind you, you can follow our show by visiting the soul of enterprise.com. And there you'll find complete show notes and links to the show and other resources. And you can also contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back on The Soul of Enterprise, and we want to remind you that you can get all show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com, especially for this show, The Trading Game. And Ron, we uh, set up The Trading Game, how it's played, and we talked a little bit about subjectivity. But there's two things that I want to share with you that I find fascinating that Jay Richard doesn't really deal with in his book, probably perhaps because it wasn't the correct audience for it, a bunch of, uh, I think it's sixth graders, but one thing that I do notice, I mentioned that we will sometimes see a score for a group go down, but never the entirety of the game, right? So one particular table, that score might go down. It's usually because somebody traded, I think, usually altruistically. They say, well, the other person really wanted it, so I gave it to them, and therefore the thing that I got back from them lowered my score. Right. But there are sometimes when people do have flat-out buyer's remorse, like they'll <laughs> – <laughs> they'll make the trade and then they'll look more closely at the thing they traded for and they'll say, oh, well, I did. I, oh, I thought this was something else. <laughs> oh, I blew it. I already have this. <laughs> yeah. So so their score goes down. So there's a there's definitely a buyer's remorse sometimes. So we'll see that. But again, usually not to the detriment of the entire of the of the the table or group or the and group, right. certainly not to the entirety of the whole the whole um the whole class, the, all then, the people who were doing the sessions. Right? Have you run in, Ed, to other people who maybe don't trade, but their, their individual score goes up? Yes. Even that's though the they never one. traded. Yep. That's the second very interesting individual phenomena is that they don't trade. They don't make a trade for the, all three of the rounds, but their score goes up. And when I inquire and ask them about why, there, it's always I, I can't recall a time when it wasn't this. They just said, "Well, in comparison to what else I saw out there, I realized that this thing was more valuable." <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a social confirmation or a bandwagon effect. You know, we all buy the bestseller. Or we all go to Star Wars because everybody else is doing it, right? We find out how popular something is. Yeah, I, you know, it's bandwagon, but it's also maybe in a sense it's it's anchoring, right, or decoy, uh, you know, because they're also just getting a sense for what else is out there. Right. Right? So they, 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 they have – well, I shouldn't say maybe not anchoring, but so, so much as, it, you know, our second law that, that all prices are contextual. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really in a sense that it's adding that context phenomena to it. Right, because they might have gotten something that they they thought was not very valuable, but then when they saw it in comparison to what the other things that they could have traded for were, they said, "Oh, okay. Well, if you're because they didn't have any context for making that first decision, right? 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 They just had had the arbitrary scale of one to ten. So uh, it, it, now that they have some context for it, I think that's what drives that score up. So, yeah, so we get buyer's remorse and individual scores go up. <laughs> Amazing. Right. <laughs> so, Ed, you play this game. You have some fun with it. People are laughing. They're walking around. Everybody's comparing what everybody else gets. You're doing the scoring. Everybody sees the scores go up after both rounds. Then, But there's a really, really important lesson behind this sixth grade game, isn't there? There's actually eight different lessons, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about those because I, 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 this is one of, I think, 
one of the most misunderstood aspects of economics is this idea of trading. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go through the lessons. Okay. Well, the first one we've already dealt with, which is subjectivity, right? That, that value is in the eyes of the beholder or the, whoever has the thing. Right. So all value is subjective, not objective. And that's the first lesson. That one everybody gets without they do. question. They, they name that on their own. And, and I like to remind them, though, Ed, that the, we didn't change the physical gift. Right. None of the physical gifts changed. We didn't add new or improved. They just simply swapped for what they wanted, but, you know, more than others. That's correct. In fact, in one of the variations that I've, that I've thought about, to this was is adding an innovation round mm-hmm. right where what we can do is add a, a additional trinkets you know maybe different cards that were, were outside the closed system because really what you're doing here is it, it's it's entirely a closed system right if you have i don't know let's you know let's call it 50 people in the room well the same 50 objects are the same it's just who has them right so that's the right. only thing that changes is the value but you could vary it and say all right at each round also introduce five additional cards at the table Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that people could pick from a pool, and that would potentially represent innovation. That's right. something new and outside the closed system. But so, but but that's that. So that's that's one of the variations. But let's get back to the lessons. That the the second lesson is is that freedom to trade creates value. That that's that that's what is the cre- that is the value causing uh, aspect of this is that it's the exchange of these things that causes the value and therefore in a sense wealth of everyone to go up. Right. That happiness score that you're loading into your spreadsheet, that's actually a measure of wealth in this simulated economy. The total score, the way I like to, to, to think about it is the individual score is, is what they value the thing, Right. But the, to- the total score of everyone added together collectively, that's the wealth of the system. Right. 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 So, and, and obviously, the more trading partners there are, uh, the better because the scores um, are – That's you know, another lesson, right? The more, it, the merrier. That right. is, is that be, because we went up from like, – like if you had started with just round two, which were, were – yeah, round two, which is to add, trade with anyone right away and then went back to your tables, they're – there might be more some trades that happen locally because people found other stuff that, at other tables, but it's more it's more le- it would have less of an impact, I think, right? right? But by demonstrating going from the from the individual to the to the group or table, and then to the the overall everyone participating in the class, that 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 increases the the wealth all the way up. And 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 this is a subversive idea that I want to come back to that the more trading partners, the better. Hello. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. Let's get through a couple of more of the lessons, right? The other one is, is win-win, right? That it's in aggregate free exchange is a win-win game, not win-loss. And perhaps this is the one that people, f- it finally clicks in for them in a, in, in a lot of cases, the, the aspect of business as a win-win situation for most people, yep. right? That that's the this is this to me is the great lesson that if I convey this to one person sitting there that day, I'm I'm a happy guy. That you're both better off 
and this isn't zero sum. It, it's gone up. We haven't changed physically the gifts, but we've l- allowed you freely to exchange with one another, and the wealth of the system went up. Mm-hmm. And that, again, this is a very subversive idea when you start thinking about it in the real world. <laughs> and that's why I love this game. Yes, because because it makes it clear. And, and people, when when after I postulate that, after I put this one out there as, as one of the lessons, this is where you'll start to, some people will start to push back. Absolutely. Right? This Absolutely. is where some people will start to push back. And look, I, th- I, would, I, I admit, I mean, th- this is obviously a, a little game and does not take into account many other aspects of the economy, right? There's, there's no provision in here for externalities, <laughs> right? Sure. So, so it, it, there, there are some things that are not dealt with in the game. But what I think it overwhelmingly demonstrates is the win-win. Now, the fourth lesson that I like to bring up is this idea of rule of law, right? Is that I had to state what the, the, the rules for the game were up front and that you couldn't take from someone else. You couldn't grab their card. And now people kind of know how to do this on their own, which is another lesson that <laughs> we, we all kind of know that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, we don't need there didn't need to be a law <laughs> set down just that. It, but uh, but I do clearly state that if you want to make a trade, you can. You do not have to trade. Right. Right. So the rules are clearly established up front and everybody so, understands them. That's right. That's right. So there has to be some kind of a rule of law and it's got to be ad- adhered to by the participants, which most people do. I've never had anybody just try to steal a card from somebody. <laughs> no. Right. Um, right. Uh, I, the, the other lesson I think is, and this only happens in larger groups where there are sometimes multiple cards of the same thing. Cause I do do that. Like I, I, I still only produce about 48 or 50 cards depending upon how many, um, you know, how many cards I'm producing. So even in a group of say 300, there's still only 50 products, right? Right. Right. And, 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 but, and what I like to say is that scarcity can be a factor, because there might be fewer of one product than another, but it really doesn't create va- value in and of itself. And I think that's that's an important point because some people think that you know sc- it's scarcity alone is what creates value, right? right. right? You know, but scarcity I, you, is real, right? In the oh, sense, scarcity is real. We have yeah. to make choices, and not everything's here, and you have to you have to make a choice, right? Which, and 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 that's and that's what leads to the next lesson, which is the opportunity cost lesson, right? Is that there there are trade offs, not solutions, and the question that that you ask is not do I want what the other person has, but do how much do I want it in relationship to the thing I already have. Right, right. I mean, this is just love, like economists love to say there's no solutions, there's only trade-offs. You'll never hear a good economist say, do you want it? They'll mm-hmm. ask, how much do you want it? I mean, I want a Lamborghini, but how much <laughs> do I want a Lamborghini? Enough to, you know, get rid of my house and live in my car? <laughs> uh, no, I don't want it that much. So asking somebody if you want something is just completely irrelevant. It's how much do you want it? What sacrifices are you willing to make? And I think that's where the scarcity and the opportunity costs come together. That's correct. And th- those were those those two things happen. Um, and, and by the way, as a quick demonstration for scarcity, I usually ask if somebody wants a picture that my you know seven year old daughter cre- painted in kindergarten. Right. Um, 
and it's called it a Caracles original. And right. <laughs> Picasso. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And nobody, surprisingly, nobody wants to pay a million dollars for it. So, uh, so I usually use that in, as an example. But the, the one last thing about the opportunity cost, and then we'll deal with the, the last of the lessons in the next segment. But the, the, the opportunity cost thing is the other thing that I usually ask is, did anyone ask, okay, what did you value this at? to the other person that they were about to make a trade with. Right. 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 And yep. no one ever. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> said, yes. I asked them, what did they value it at? And they valued it at a three. So I didn't make a trade with them. Just with- like the guys on Pawn Stars rarely care how much you paid for something you're trying to sell them. I watched right? a lot of episodes of Pawn Stars, and yep. I can tell you that I only have heard that question once. And, and, I, and I've heard it a couple times. I watch a lot, okay. too. I've heard it a couple times from different, from different of the, you know, the guys. Um, and I think, Ed, it's, it's more it's curiosity right. than anything. I really do. I think it's absolutely just curiosity because mm-hmm. the item is so weird or so unusual. But this is great. So we'll come back. We'll finish up on the last two lessons. And then I want to ask you how you tweak the game. Um, and folks, in the meantime, we'd like to remind you, we know a lot of you listen on uh, iTunes and on demand. We'd love it if you could rate our show. Several of you have given us comments on the iTunes site, and we really appreciate that. In fact, I want to read a couple of them that we've got recently. And uh, in the meantime, we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper. Always be closing a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. 
right. Welcome back, everybody. We're here doing lessons from the trading game. And I just, I just love this topic, Ed. It's such a great learning tool um, to, to illustrate, I think, what are incredibly essential economic points that everybody needs to understand. And that's also what I want to talk to you about. But as, what are the last two lessons? Let's just well, there's, I think we've been through – at least my list, we've been through seven of them, subjectivity, value in the eyes of the beholder. Okay, but right. the, la- the last lesson that I have is the, what's what I call the trade deficit lesson, right? <laughs> and that is that governments trade, not people. And the way that I illustrate this – and I have no, to say – people trade, not governments. Oh, I'm sorry. People trade, not governments. <laughs> right, right, right. So strike that, reverse it. Um, people trade, not governments. And the way that I illustrate this – um, and oh, by the way, I've had people really pissed off at me. Oh, yes. no, no, <laughs> this is this is why I mean really this is pissed off. This so is what, subversive in a lot of ways. <laughs> so what I, what I do is I you know I have this spreadsheet and I usually have group A, B, C, D down the, the list and I show everybody the scores right so that everybody sees the progression and the scores that ha- and how they've gone up. Well, then I reveal a hidden column in the spreadsheet and I say, well, what if instead instead of calling this group A, group B, group C, I call them Argentina, Brazil, China, Denmark, England. France, Germany, right? <laughs> Just kind of go through Bingo. and give, give give them each each group this label that is the name of a country, right? And then what I say is, okay, well, did you folks at, at table A cared whether or not you were operating at a trade deficit with table C, which is China, right? And they're like, no. <laughs> Thought never occurred to me. Right. It's like, well, why would we why would we care about that? I'm like, exactly. I said, so please, anytime you hear any politician, political pundit talk about or concern themselves with this thing called the trade deficit, you can safely ignore them because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's not a deficit. Again, people trade, not governments. And thank God there's no order taker down in Washington deciding how many TVs do we order from China this year, right? Uh, because th- that's that's not the way that it works. I mean, I and I usually go through. As you know, I personally think we I it really like what we got going here. We send the Chinese green pieces of paper or actually electronic bits, and they send us TVs. I mean, it's sort of like the ultimate letter to Santa, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and people are kind of blown away by that. And I've had people then come up and argue with me when I bring this one up that this is that no oh, no you don't understand you know and this is the 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 Donald Trump crowd. I not I hate to hearken on these, but you know Donald Trump still screaming about we're getting killed on trade, which I don't even understand what that means. Yep. Right. And if we are, I have an idea for you, Mister Trump. Don't trade. Yep. <laughs> Don't buy your TVs from Korea for right. your hotels and everything else. Yeah, again, it goes back to people trade, not not governments. We can't get killed. Mm-hmm. I, I've been accused that, well, you don't understand that you're not taking into account money. Well, put money aside. This is why economists sometimes don't like to deal with money because it presents an illusion, mm-hmm. right? We're just trading economic goods. If I buy a Lexus, first off, what business is of it? Of, of my neighbors, mm-hmm. but even more so, what business is it of the government? I mean, if I buy a Lexus, I'm better off, and hopefully Toyota's better off. Mm-hmm. 
and there's there's nothing here about a the trade deficit is merely accounting and and just like regular accounting it it, it total totally misses reality right Right. Well, I think it was Bastiat, right, Ron, that said that, you know, by this logic of this trade deficit and worrying about, you know, who is trade has more, it's 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 most logical that we should want all ships to sink at sea. At sea, because <laughs> then we'll just have <laughs> exports and no imports. And, right. And this, and this is a mercantilist idea, right? Mm-hmm. This is exactly what Adam Smith destroyed in his book, The Wealth of Nations, this mercantilist view that – Imports bad, exports good, and and let's hoard you know precious metals in the king's basement mm-hmm. because that's a measure of a society's wealth. No, the measure of a society's wealth are the goods and services it has available to it. And opening up the world to trade is a way to get more goods and services. Just like when you let the whole class trade rather than just trading at their table. You know, Robert Mundell, Ed, who's a, a Nobel Prize winning economist and and really one of the early founders of supply side economics, at least in the modern era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's Canadian-born economist. He, he has a great system. He said the world economy is a closed system. The world economy is your trading game. It right. is. Yep. <laughs> because the world economy is a closed system. Overall, the books have to balance. Who And who cares about balancing the books? Mm-hmm. I just want my Lexus. Right. Well, accountants care about balancing the books, Ron. That's, you know. You know, Henry Hazlitt, who wrote Economics in One Lesson, a book we highly recommend, he said the same people who can be clear-headed and sensible when the subject is one of domestic trade can be incredibly emotional and muddle-headed when it becomes one of foreign trade. Mm -hmm. No one of us cares. I mean, what's great about the U.S. is it's a free trade zone. Mm-hmm. Right, the fifty trace the states trade, and nobody's worried that uh, Minnesota is running a trade deficit with Miami for oranges, mm-hmm. and nobody's suggesting that Minnesota should grow oranges and and sell an equal quantity to Florida, so to wipe out. I mean, we run trade deficits with our grocery stores, mm-hmm. and you run a trade surplus with your employer Sage because you don't buy much from them. I would. <laughs> I no, <don't>. not a lot. <laughs> but they pay you. So we run deficits and surpluses with different people. It just makes no sense. And and the way I illustrate the foreign thing, Ed, is because I, I talk to a group of accountants about this, several several groups and CFOs and MBAs. And I ask them, I said, are, are you really scared that if China or India or any other country become wealthier, it's a threat to America? And they said, yes. I said, how? Wow. I said, if I, I hold up a card, I, I pull a card out of my pocket when I play this game. I go, by the way, I have one more card here, and it's a vaccination for cancer. It's FDA approved. It's found to be efficacious, and it'll cure cancer. How many of you will trade whatever card you have for this? And, you know, everybody inevitably raises their hand. And I say, you should know. You know this was invented in China, and it's going to blow the trade deficit sky high. Do you still want the, the vaccine for cancer? Mm-hmm. And it, to me, that just drives home the point that it doesn't matter if, if China's getting wealthier, bully for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is really that myth of the zero sum, which we've dealt with a lot of times on this show. Now, what I think that people are expressing is that it's, it is, and I will say this is true, is that trade deficits can negatively impact some groups within your country or zone, whatever it is, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? So, I mean, if, if there were, it would be silly, but if, the, if there were citrus farmers in Minnesota, 
they would definitely be negatively impacted by importing origins from Florida. Sure. Right? But nobody suggests, as you said, that they should go grow oranges in Minnesota because it would, first of all, be really hard, yeah. right? And require an enormous amount of energy because you'd have to do it in an in, in, inside greenhouse, right? <clears throat> um, and they couldn't produce the amount of crops that the, the people in Florida do. Right. So, uh, but, but for some, whatever reason, I, you know, I think it's xenophobia is that once it starts to become, oh, well, it's, it's somebody foreign that's not, wasn't, wasn't from America, then all of a sudden it, they, their, their minds change. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I haven't chalked it up to xenophobia. I, I just chalking it up to a, just a basic, under, you know, lack of understanding of how an economy works and how really we are. Like Mundell says, this is a closed system. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the amount of foreign products in, in any anything, if foreign components or foreign labor in, in the car you drive and the computers you use, it, it's it's astronomical. We are oh, completely yeah. interdependent. And, you know, Thomas Sowell wrote, wrote in Basic Economics, and we even talked to him about it when we interviewed him last December. But he said, international deficits and surpluses have had virtually no correlation with the performance of most nations. He says Germany and France have had international surpluses while their unemployment rates were in double digits. And Japan, post-war rise to you know prominence on the world stage when it was running deficits. America ran trade surpluses all during the Great Depression. Didn't do it any good. It was the nope. deepest depression in the world. So this whole accounting, it's an accounting fiction. Yeah. And I, I wrote a post on this on LinkedIn, and you would not believe the comments I got from people that said, well, you're not taking into account this and that. And, next, you know. and it's like, no, th- these are accounting fictions. This is absurd. You, yep. if, you, if you trade, you're better off. Both sides are better off, period. That's it. That's the end of the analysis. You don't need to do all this back room accounting and say, well, we're running a deficit. The deficit's exploding. So what? In a closed system like the world economy is, eventually th- these things have to balance out. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> no, I and look, Ron, this is it, it, this is a subversive idea for without question. I, I saw this one interview with this guy. Uh, this is a number of years ago, probably 10 years ago, talking about, uh, you know, how he only buys American cars. Right. And the, the and he says, you know, my, my, my I, I buy a Buick because my daddy bought a Buick because my granddaddy bought a Buick. Right. And the, the guy, I think it was a CNN interviewer said, well, you know, like. It, 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 it in I think it's been night since like 2002. All Buicks have been made in Canada. Yeah, right? yeah. there is there is no there is no American made Buicks anymore. The guy the guy was devastated, Ron. It, he yeah, was devastated. I know. I know. My uncle's kind of the same way. I mean, you can take the most American made car, and the amount of foreign content in it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, it's just this is just lunacy. And, you know, we've talked about the iPhone, you know, the iPhone's assembled in China. But when it comes back into the States and goes to a Verizon or an Apple store, it's recorded in the trade accounts as full price. Mm -hmm. China gets full credit, even though they've added about $7 worth of assembly to the whole finished cost of the product. And yet it comes. So this, how we account for this trade deficit is just, it's insanity. It, you know, nothing is more absurd. Even Adam Smith said that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he said, and, nothing can be more absurd than this whole doctrine of the balance of trade. 
<laughs> it is. It's crazy. Now, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, just getting back to the car story, but the, the only the only car that I'm aware of, and this is this information is probably three to five years old, so it might not be 100% accurate. I'll have to look this up. But there's only one car in the United States that's considered a, quote, American car that has – it is more than 50%. Right. More than 50% sourced and built in the United States, and that's the this, Ford F-150 truck. Right, right. right. And, and there are only like three other cars, and I think two of them are Toyotas and one of them is a Honda. Honda, yeah. Right? I remember at <laughs> so, one point it was a Honda that was more assembled you know, with domestic content. It, right. yeah, it just doesn't matter. The, the point is the more trading – you know, basically exports are the price we pay for imports. Mm-hmm. And the more imports you can get for the least amount of exports, the better off you are. It, it doesn't matter what the accounting says or the trade deficit statistics say. So. Well, and when we come back, we've got one more break here. But when we come back, we're gonna, I'm going to throw one more out at Iran and see what you think about this one. Because this was probably the most controversial uh, portion of this trade deficit that we'll see. But right now we want you to to remind you that you can get a hold of us at asktsoe at verisage.com and that email will both go both to myself and Ron. We want to please remind you to take a look at our book, The Soul of Enterprise on Amazon. We really would appreciate it if you would buy and review that book. It really helps us a lot, especially those of you that have read it. If you could put up a review on Amazon, that would be fantastic. And But right now we want to hear from my employer, Sage. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking the trading game here on The Soul of Enterprise. This is a game that, that Ron and I have developed based on the work of Jay Richard and his book, Money, Greed, and God. We'll be sure to post a link up to that book on the site. Hey, and Ron, I want to throw one more kind of variation on this whole trade deficit out at you. Okay. Immigration and the free movement of labor 
across borders. Now, look, we can. Uh, I, I will agree that part of the challenge with immigration is that when we have a a, a, a nanny state <clears throat> with lots of welfare, that potentially that can be abused when you have people who show up here, right, and are demanding a handout before they are looking for a hand up. Yep. But I really believe that the even the illegal immigration is a on balance net benefit to American society. Now this is this is this is without question the most controversial thing that we've said. Uh, but even <laughs> even some people who are like, okay, I I got you on this whole trade thing, and governments don't trade, people do. They're not they're not going to buy me on this whole immigration thing. Yep. No, and and look, Thomas Sowell's changed my mind on this. I mean, he even said on our show it's very different to import a Toyota uh, from a uh, from a human. I mean, Toyotas don't have little Toyotas that require medical services and schooling. But outside of that, I mean, I would say, yeah, the right immigrants. Yeah, I still think on balance, on balance, because I, mean, you, I think about anybody who's benefited from having you know someone who cut their lawn or someone who's put an addition on their house or someone who's had cleaner had their house cleaned, right? Uh, and didn't didn't go checking I nine forms, right. <laughs> right? Right? Which you know is a huge number of people, or 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 benefited from a side note of that, you know, dishwashers at restaurants. I mean, who who of us can say that they've got walked into every restaurant and they asked to make sure that the I nine status of everyone in the kitchen. Is right. is correct, right? Right. So you you have benefited in some small way from not only immigration but illegal immigration. Right. No, I, and I'm not disputing the economic effects whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of these guys that thinks it's driving down wages of you know, you know, it's taking jobs from no because that's the whole labor lump fallacy, right? The idea that there's a fixed number of jobs. There's not. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I argue against immigration on cultural effects. And, and sociological effects, not not the economic effects so much. Well, there's another show for us. We have to do a show where we debate, Ron. That would be great. <laughs> I'd love it. I'll <laughs> get right. Tom's soul back and put him on. Yeah. Back, <laughs> so you get soul on your side. All right. All right. I'll have to think about who I get who I get on mine, but we'll figure it out. Hey, there are a couple of, of quick variations that I want to talk about. You talked about your cure for cancer one, which I think is fantastic. But uh, but I have had a couple of, of uh, variations that I've played with, and and I don't usually do them because they, they they're it's really more for my pleasure than for the audience's pleasure. Sure, sure. <laughs> right. But one, two quick ones. One is an isolationist round, right? Where what I say is I say um, I I say that I, I plant ahead of time that certain tables are not allowed to get up. Yes, right? I love that. They have to remain seated. Now other yeah. people can come to them. But they're not allowed to get up. Right. Right. And then I also tell that there's also an embargo one where I tell everyone that that, that there has that, that they can't trade with a particular table, that they have to ask. Right. <laughs> like, right. Are, are you from table K or table C for Cuba? Yeah, we don't trade with you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Ed, you do one on taxation, too. That's interesting. Uh, well, on, on, on inflation, 
right? Well, yeah, no, I know where you double the scores or whatever, but I'm talking about the one where you say pass your card, your your final round. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that, that's the rotation one. Yeah. So what I do is I say I say to everybody, all right, now you must pass your card that you had to to your left, right? And everybody passes one card to the left, and then we redo the scores. And guess what? They sometimes fall below the original. <laughs> right, right. They're all groaning. No, I worked so hard to get. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's taxation. <laughs> Stephen yeah. Now it is one hundred percent taxation, but or at least a high degree. But Steve, Stephen Landsberg said to teach his daughter economics that he bought her, he took her to Toys R Us, bought her a bunch of toys, and then had you know a friend come over and take half of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said that's taxation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Like it, like it. So you want to deal with some some emails and that we've gotten right. Well, yeah, we've only got a couple minutes, but Hector wrote in, uh, thank you for this, Hector, about uh, real estate agents. And he asked us, said, why are they all paid the same percentage, no matter how good or crappy they are? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hector, just off the top of my head, I'd say this is the power of a cartel. You know, they're a regulated industry. And if you look at outfits like Redfin, Ed, I know John Stossel had the CEO on his show. There was a big controversy about Redfin, but you can use Redfin and, and they've really reduced their... Uh, their take if you sell a home or buy a home or whatever. Um, and it's just a matter of th- this is what um, professions do. They regulate to keep out competition. Mm-hmm. This is where I totally disagree with our guest of a couple of weeks ago, Daniel Suskin, about liberalization versus deregulation, right? Yep. If, you, if you want the future of these professions to really alter and be more effective and efficient and lower cost and serve greater people, you've got to open it up to competition, you have to. Otherwise, you're just going to get more of the same with with just more technology to make it a little bit more efficient around the edges. And this is why I think things need to be deregulated and, and real estate would be <laughs> one of the first on my list. <clears throat> no, absolutely. Well, yeah, at least with real estate, there is a certain portion that's based on the value of the home. And the, the idea is that only real estate agents that have more experience are going to be able to sell larger ticket homes. So there is there is a little bit. Uh, in there, but but I, I agree with your assessment. It's 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 mostly due to the fact that that the the profession itself has 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 really imposed it on itself. Yeah, it's a cartel, and there's and, and it's apathy too. I mean, it's just the way it's always been done. And man, don't don't ever discount apathy. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's the way things are done. So, Ed, next week our favorite topic: Free Rider Friday. Right on. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please feel free to visit our website, www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's 